Well, the Gonzaga Bulldogs and Michigan State Spartans are about to play one of the most highly anticipated non-conference games of the entire season on Friday afternoon. We are going to break down every single inch of this matchup right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with promo code Locked On, and you will get your first deposit doubled of up to $100. All right, folks, we are talking Gonzaga, Michigan State, Mark Few, Tom Izzo, And of course, the USS Abraham Lincoln, where this game is going to be played in San Diego as part of the Armed Forces Classic, or as the Armed Forces Classic, I should say. Uh, We're going to talk all about the setting for this game and kind of what that looks like. We're going to talk about Michigan State, of course. We're going to look at five key things that I'm going to be watching for in this game. And we're going to close out the show looking at some other matchups coming up this weekend that are of interest to Gonzaga fans. But first... Let's talk about the Abraham Lincoln. Let's talk about this game being played on an aircraft carrier. It is the fifth aircraft carrier game of all time. Two of the last four succeeded in the sense that the game started and also finished. Two of those games did not meet the same result. Unfortunately, we've seen these games uh, not do particularly well in the past. Uh, The last game that happened was in 2012. So it has been a decade since this game has been a part of the college basketball lexicon. And certainly when this game was first announced uh, over the summer, there was a lot of conversation, a lot of debate on both sides. A lot of people really love this game. They love the uniqueness. They love that college basketball is doing something different, trying to play basketball in an environment outside of just a typical gym. Obviously, the the patriotism aspect of it, the element of, of supporting the troops and doing it on Veterans Day and playing in an area in front of military personnel, which is a, a big element of this game and something that I think is very, very cool. The opportunity for for people in the military to go to this game, to see these two really good teams play, to see them play in an environment that they are familiar with, but not uh, that basketball is necessarily typically a part of. Uh, I think all of that is very, very cool. Having said that, I understand the concerns as well. And I think Gonzaga fans, and frankly, and Michigan State fans, Michigan State is one of the the two teams or one of the four teams that successfully has done this. They played in the first one of these. Uh, it was November 11th, 2011. It was, again, 12 year, or 11 years ago. Uh, and it went well. It was against North Carolina, beautiful setting. It was in San Diego, gorgeous weather. And the game went off without a hitch. Now, the other games that have, that have done this didn't go so well. We've seen halftime cancellations, slippery floor conditions, wind conditions making it so that the basketball was just not really feasible you just couldn't really play you, you, you were seeing obviously missed shots guys slipping on the floor being unwilling to, to to play the style of basketball that they're accustomed to playing guys weren't able to take the shots they want to take they weren't able to go on fast breaks very well they weren't able to cut they weren't able to set screens effectively like there's a lot of issues that we saw in these games previously The hope here, obviously, is that with a decade of time to kind of learn from those mistakes and and figure out how to how to best 
put together a court, a situation that will be fun and engaging and beautiful and, you know, will also be a situation where every basketball player comes out of the game in the same the same health condition that they were in prior to the game or that any injuries or anything of that nature doesn't happen because of the court, because of the wind, because of the weather, because of, of any of those kind of situations. And for, again, for Michigan State fans, they've seen this before. They've seen it happen successfully. Perhaps that will uh, give them a bit more optimism going into this game for Gonzaga. This will be their first time playing on an aircraft carrier, their first time playing uh, in this specific situation. However, they have had a game that didn't go particularly well when they attempted to do something unique. That was, of course, against Pittsburgh in 2015, for folks who remember that game. I was in Okinawa, Japan. They played a, a camp, a military camp out there. It was not an outdoor game. It was an indoor game, but it was not a typical basketball court. And the condensation really just wreaked havoc all over that court. Uh, the game was canceled at halftime. The Zags and Pitt, for that matter, both teams flew across the world to go play a basketball game in Japan. It was a cool idea, a cool experiment, a cool event. It just didn't work. It just didn't work. And that's the fear. That's the fear here is that something like that happens again. And Drew Timmy spoke about it. Drew Timmy spoke on the Gimme Timmy podcast, uh, which launched on November 9th. So as you're listening to this, it's only been out for a couple of days. Uh, very cool that Drew Timmy's in the podcast game for starters. And also, you know, cool that he was willing to express some some concern about this game, some some apprehension about playing in a situation like this. And I think that doesn't mean that like we should cancel the game or that these kind of games shouldn't be played in the future. Just that you can understand why going into it, there might be a little bit of apprehension from some of the players and some of the people involved in this game. Let's talk about the Spartans though. Michigan state, Tom Izzo, of course, an iconic program have been around and been in the NCAA tournament for decades upon decades. They are currently 32nd in Ken Palm's rankings, whereas Gonzaga is second. So they were just outside of the perceived top 25. They're one and oh, First win was over Northern Arizona. Joey Hauser, their six foot nine stretch four. He had a really nice game for the Spartans. 18 and 10 was four of eight for deep. Pierre Brooks was their other kind of star player in that first game. He came off the bench, but had 14 points on four of seven shooting from deep, which leads into my next point. Michigan State relied a lot on the three point shot in this game against Northern Arizona, trying to glean too much of a team strategy in a game like that is a little bit silly. I'm not trying to take a whole bunch of what happened for Gonzaga against North Florida as like law for the rest of the season. Probably shouldn't do that with Michigan State either, but it's worth pointing out that they took 27 threes in this game. 27 threes. They made nine, so 33%. Not great, not terrible necessarily, but if you're going to make nine three-pointers, you don't want to be taking over 25 of them necessarily. And certainly when you're about to go play a basketball game in a situation where, frankly, the further away from the hoop you are, the more likely your shot is impacted by the elements. I'm not a physicist. I'm not an expert here on that topic, but it's pretty obvious that if you want to not have your shot impacted by the weather, by the conditions that, that exist in an outdoor game, shoot around the rim. And for Michigan State, the fact that they have already demonstrated that their game is really, really prevalent based on the outside shot, that's something to really watch. Now, this team doesn't have a ton of high-end talent on the roster. They have a good, solid squad, a lot of really nice pieces, but not really any superstars, not really any studs. That's been an issue for them the last couple of years. They are 20-20 and 20 
in the last two Big Ten seasons combined. So it really hasn't been a great run for Tom Izzo's team. They're, of course, hoping to turn the ship around metaphorically. In this case, not quite literally, uh, but that's something that they have a ridiculous non-conference schedule similar to Gonzaga. Mark Few, Tom Izzo deserve a ton of credit for being willing to schedule tough games. And we're going to see a really, really fun one on Friday. What I want to do with you all in the second segment is lay out my five things to watch in this game. These are things that I'm going to be looking for specifically on Friday. We'll talk about them early next week as we get back into the podcast. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about Underdog. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college basketball season. It's super easy to sign up and get started, and each game can be a different bet or pick choice for your favorite Gonzaga stars. You think Drew Timmy's going to score more than 18 points against Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans? Go to the Upside app and drop your bet. It's easy money. Bet Timmy and one to four other players, Gonzaga or not, and you can win cold, hard cash. Sign up with promo code LOCKEDON, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. So deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code LOCKEDON. Get in on the Pick'em action today. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags, and I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, we're talking Gonzaga, Michigan State here in the second segment. We're still looking at what is going to be one of the more exciting non-conference games of the entire season. Frankly, I know there's a lot of excitement around college basketball for this game, bringing back the Carrier Classic style game. Of course, two iconic coaches, two very, very good programs. What I want to do here in the second segment is take my five things that I'm going to be watching for in this game and kind of questions that I'm hoping to get answered and, and things that we can evaluate when we look at this game next week. First things first is really just the split between the outside shooting and the inside shooting, pounding the ball in the paint. The biggest question for Michigan State, quite frankly, is who's going to stop Drew Timmy? It's the biggest question that every single team that plays Gonzaga will have to answer. Very, very few teams can just say, hey, this is our guy. He's the you know the best defensive player in the country because that's what you would need to be to be able to say, hey, we're just going to stick that guy on Drew Timmy and call it good. For Michigan State, they don't have that guy. They don't have a lot of low post presence, a lot of dominance in the paint. And in a game where outside shooting might be tricky, again, we don't know every condition that's going to happen. We won't know entirely until 3.30 p.m. on Friday. But assuming that it's going to be safer to shoot around the rim, which is true when you're in a gym, it's just easier to score around the basket. But especially in this situation, being able to score around the rim is crucial. And the Zags have the best low post score on the entire country on their team. That's a pretty good weapon to have going into a game like this. Gonzaga didn't rely very much on the outside shot in their first game against North Florida. They went five of 13 from deep. They only made one three in the first half of that game. That's, that's, Probably not something we're going to see much 
from this team going forward, but frankly, it's not a bad thing heading into this game. If this team can rely mostly on low post scoring, Drew Timmy, Efton Reed, Anton Watson, get those guys the ball on the block, let them go to work down there. Michigan State may have a hard time stopping them. I'm sure they're going to run as much defense as they can to force Gonzaga to shoot open threes. That would be the strategy I would take. Tom Izzo's pretty smart. They're probably going to take a similar strategy as well, but it'll be interesting to see how much Gonzaga kind of resists that and of course the flip side of how much Michigan State maybe alters their strategy from game one and takes less three-pointers in this one as well. Second thing I'm going to be watching for in this game is kind of where Julian Strother's minutes land. We've talked at length on this podcast. It was discussed in the offseason as well and Mark Few kind of confirmed it around craziness in the kennel time that Julian Strother is going to play a lot of his minutes this season at the four uh, in three guard lineups where there's three guards. Julian Strother plays the four, Drew Timmy or, or Efton Reed plays the five. Similar design as the team in the 2020-2021 season when they went all the way to the national championship with a lineup that primarily consisted of Jalen Suggs, Andrew Neimhardt, Joel Iai, Corey Kispert playing the four, and then Drew Timmy at the five. However, this might be a game where we don't see as much of that. Again, it kind of depends on some of the lineups that Michigan State rolls out there, and it sort of depends on on those weather conditions and everything. If Gonzaga feels like the best way to win this game is to just bruise down low, be big, be physical, push people around, we might see a situation where Julian's playing more minutes at the three. Perhaps it's because Anton Watson's playing more minutes at the four. He started the first game. He's very likely going to start this game and going to play probably 25-ish minutes like he did against North Florida. We could also see a situation where we see more of the Efton Reed, Drew Timmy lineup, which we got to see a bit against North Florida. Efton Reed, Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, and then two guards is a really big, really strong lineup that Gonzaga has the ability to run. In a game where you're not as focused on the outside shot, I think it makes some sense. I think ultimately Julian is going to play a lot of his minutes at the four this season, but I think after this game, we might be wondering a little bit more about what that's going to look like because I'm not sure how much we'll see it in this contest in particular. Number three, how do the backup point guard minutes shake out? This was a fascinating development that we saw in the first game against North Florida where Hickman played 23 minutes in that game, and it looks like that's Maybe going to be his MO. Maybe as the year goes on, as he gets more comfortable, as he just kind of gets more experience, more reps, maybe we'll see him up in the 25-28 minute range. I sort of hope not, and that's not because I don't think Nolan Hickman is outstanding. If he's playing extremely well and deserves it, great. Play him more minutes. But we have seen Gonzaga run the heck out of some of their players early in the year throughout the season, and then they start to not perform as well in March. We've seen that with Corey Kispert a couple years ago. We saw it with Andrew Nempard this past year. We saw it a bit with Julian Strother this past year as well, although he didn't play quite as much. But Nembard played like 32, 33 minutes basically every game, and towards the end of the year, he played more than that. He played every minute in a handful of Gonzaga's last few games, and I don't think Gonzaga is going to do that this year. I don't think Nolan Hickman's necessarily poised or ready for that role right now. And so the big question is, there's going to be as many as 15 to 20 minutes of this game where Nolan Hickman's not playing. So who's going to be the point guard? I think Rasir Bolton is the primary option, but he didn't do it much last year. He's more than capable of doing it. He was a point guard for two years in the Big 12 at Iowa State. He was a point guard at Penn State as well. He can do that, but that's not really what he's been asked to do in Gonzaga's offense. The expectation is that Malachi Smith might handle that role, but 
We didn't see Malachi Smith play any point guard against North Florida that I remember. He was on the floor in situations where Nolan Hickman wasn't on the floor. Smith played a game-high 30 minutes, but he was rarely, if ever, the guy bringing the ball up the court. We saw Hunter Salas play point guard while Malachi Smith was on the floor and Smith was playing an off-the-ball role. Leads me to believe that Smith is not really in contention for legitimate backup point guard minutes. Likely just because they, they view him as more valuable in a different role. Does that mean we will see more of point guard Hunter Salas? I kind of hope so. I thought it was a fun experiment. We will see if Gonzaga and Mark Few are really willing to roll out some of those more unique, less tested lineups in a game like this against an opponent that is not North Florida, quite frankly. But I am curious to kind of see what that looks like. And I'm also curious if we're going to see any lineups where Nolan Hickman is playing off the ball, because I think that's something that... Uh, we've seen with Andrew Nembhard in the past where they've kind of shifted him into off-ball roles, and we've seen it certainly with Jalen Suggs in a lot of situations. So I'll be interested to see if if Hickman ever gets that treatment as well. Last two takes here. Uh, what do we see from Dominic Harris? I'm interested in this. We saw Dom play a bit against North Florida. He wasn't really a part of the lineup. He wasn't really a part of the rotation. There's the general expectation there, or assumption I should say there, is just he's he's getting his his legs under him. You know, Mark Few was very clear when talking about him at Craziness that hey, he just got cleared to practice. He got cleared October 10th was his first practice, and they envisioned that he was going to take some time to kind of get back into full game shape. So I read that as them saying, hey, don't expect Dom to to be in his full role when the season starts. And so he didn't play much against North Florida. There was some. I guess, angst about whether that was going to be the kind of continued role for him. And I I don't think so. I think we're going to see him play more and more as the year goes on. But it's also worth pointing out that this game in particular might not be the game that you want him to be out there a lot, not because of the opponent necessarily, but just because it's a bit more dangerous. It's a, it's a, it's a, a more complicated situation on the basketball court in terms of, you know, slipperiness and wind and all of that stuff. And I wouldn't put a guy out there who you don't quite feel is at a hundred percent unless I really felt like they needed him. I'm guessing Gonzaga is maybe not going to opt him out entirely, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see much of him. Having said that, I would really like to see what he looks like against a team like this. So I'm hoping he can get some run, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if he gets very little or even no playing time at all, just because of the safety precautions the Zags might want to take in this one. And finally, this would be a real fun game for Braden Huff to make his debut, wouldn't it? He didn't play against North Florida. You know, you the expectation is that he's not in the rotation. Ben Gregg is ahead of him. Caden Perry, when healthy, is probably ahead of him, although Caden Perry, as of right now, is, is not expected to play. I don't know an update there, but would be surprised to see him on the court. But I think it'd be pretty cool if Brayden Huff could make his major league debut on an aircraft major league debut, his college basketball debut on an aircraft carrier. That would be very cool. And I think there's an opportunity, depending on the score, of course, to, to get Braden out in the game and, and get him a chance to to make his to, to play his first game and hopefully make his first shot in a Gonzaga uniform. All right, folks, Gonzaga and Michigan State is absolutely the most exciting game of the weekend, not just for Gonzaga fans, but really in general, it's a really, really fun game. However, there are plenty more really fun games that Zags fans might have a vested interest in going on this weekend. We're going to close out the show and the week talking about those games after a word from Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report a third year in a row. 
In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use FastProtect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so that you can get priority police response. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/url today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags. Pivoting away from talking about Gonzaga, Michigan State, to close out the show, looking at three other games that I think will be of interest to Gonzaga fans this weekend. For those of you who don't have anything on the agenda, who got three days off for Veterans Day and are going to enjoy the weekend, watching some hoops, grabbing some beverages, whatever it may be. I got some recommendations for you, some suggestions. Uh, Two of them kind of overlap, so you might have to dual screen this thing. Tried to pick games that didn't overlap, of course, with Gonzaga, Michigan State, because I'm not going to recommend that my listeners watch a game other than that one. We got three really fun ones here. We're going to start out with the, the, the first thing I'm going to watch after that Gonzaga game is over, it is a matchup between BYU and San Diego State, the 19th-ranked Aztecs right now, a top-20 squad. That game is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. on Friday, so it'll be done a couple hours, or it'll start a couple hours after Gonzaga and Michigan State are done. Uh, BYU looked really, really bad in their first game of the season against Idaho State. We talked about that on Wednesday's podcast and again on Thursday's podcast during one of my one of my hot takes about BYU not finishing in the top half of the rankings in the WCC and that, that that's a pretty bold claim but they really didn't look good they don't have the the guard depth doesn't look like a, a lot of scoring a lot of guys who are willing to go out there and and hunt their own shot and go get buckets the way that we've seen Alex Barcelo in the past we've seen Tyler Hawes in the past uh, this is a, a program that kind of needs really high usage guards, guards who are willing to go out there and, and and knock down big shots and hunt their own looks. And they don't really have it. And they only scored 60 points against Idaho State, uh, barely won that game. We're losing for most of the game against a not good Idaho State team. Uh, now they go play San Diego State, a much, much, much better team, a very good defensive team. Again, if BYU could barely hit 60 against a not very good team, there's some real concern that this could get really ugly for the Cougars if they don't play well in this one. SDSU is a team that I highly recommend checking out. Uh, they have a lot of really high-end talent. They absolutely deserve to be in the top 20. Mountain West uh, is likely theirs for the taking, assuming they don't have a collapse during the season. Darion Trammell is their starting point guard. He's a transfer from Seattle U and a guy that I projected on the Locked On College Basketball podcast. Check that out if you haven't done so yet. But I made a bold prediction that I think he could end up being in the All-American conversation at the end of the year. He's that good. And I think that it's going to be really fun to see them play BYU, although I think there's a, there's a reasonable chance that BYU doesn't look particularly good in this one. Next up is, and again, the first week of games, not always the best opponents. So this is uh, this is what we're rolling with. North Florida versus Washington. It's easy to see why this is a game that is appealing to Gonzaga fans. North Florida, of course, just played Gonzaga on November 7th, opening game of the season. Washington is one of Gonzaga's opponents later in the season. That game is scheduled for, I believe, December 9th. 
is when the Zags and Huskies are going to play, continue that rivalry with Mike Hopkins at the helm for the Huskies. Uh, this game is at 8 p.m. on Friday, so again, you could split-screen this bad boy with BYU and San Diego State, get a chance to watch a handful of teams, or two teams that Gonzaga is going to play this year, one team that Gonzaga has already played this year. I think it'll just be interesting to see how UW handles North Florida. Do they blow them out by a similar score to Gonzaga? Is it a much closer game? Do some of the players on North Florida who maybe got bottled up pretty good by Gonzaga's defense have better games against UW? How does UW's zone defense look early in the season? They have a very new roster. They got a lot of talent on this team. Noah Williams, transfer from Washington State. He's excellent. Frank Kepnag, transfer from uh, Oregon. He's really good. Keon Brooks from Kentucky. Anytime you get a Kentucky transfer, you got to feel pretty good about it. I think this UW team could be sneaky good this year, and I think they could finish in the top five, top four even in the Pac-12, and I'm curious to see how they look against North Florida in their first real opportunity to to kind of give us a good barometer of, hey, that's how Gonzaga did, that's how UW did. It's not transitive property, doesn't always matter, doesn't always count, but I think it's at least worth checking out if people have the ability to do so. And finally, this game has even less to do with Gonzaga, but it's just a fun freaking game of basketball that is going to happen on Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific time. So for the folks who want to stay up late and watch North Florida and the Huskies and turn it around and watch basketball as soon as they get up the next day, you get a chance to check out St. Peter's and Seton Hall, a game that Last year at this time, wouldn't have even registered on anybody's radar as a particularly noteworthy game. However, Shaheen Holloway, the head coach of Seton Hall, was, of course, the head coach at St. Peter's last year, the Peacocks, who went on their incredible run in the NCAA tournament, defeated Kentucky in the first round, beat Murray State, beat Purdue, went all the way to the Elite Eight Shaheen Holloway, in that time period, got hired at Seton Hall to be their next head coach. He was a player there, an All-American player at Seton Hall, really talented player, extraordinary coach, will run some exceptional defensive sets. I was getting praise for, for how St. Peter's ran their defense well before the NCAA tournament even happened. And now they get to rematch. They get to face each other. It's the second game for Shaheen Holloway at Seton Hall. He gets to play his old squad at St. Peter's. Uh, Casey Nadifo transferred from St. Peter's to Seton Hall, so he gets to play his old team as well. Just a fun thing, a fun matchup for Holloway, a coach who's really kind of burst onto the scene and is now kind of in the national spotlight. Of course, anytime you're a coach in the Big East, you get some national spotlight on you. Chance to kind of go back and, and see where he was at this time last year. Of course, St. Peter's, you never know. I, I wouldn't count them out in this game, certainly. Uh, Holloway's squad is a bit banged up. Seton Hall's got some injuries that they're dealing with. And beyond that, uh, they have a good defense because that's what Holloway does, but they haven't really found their identity offensively. And so could be a situation where St. Peter's picks off his, their old coach uh, and secures a victory. And it would be as of right now, it would be the first loss for the big East uh, as an entire conference. But even if they don't win, even if Seton Hall secures a victory, it'll just be fun to see Holloway get a chance to, to face his old team uh, after doing such an incredible job with them last season. All right, that is going to do it for me today and for this week. Enjoy the game, Zags fans. It's going to be a really fun one on Friday. Don't miss the recaps and, of course, much more next week. The Zags got Texas. They got that Kentucky game coming up as well. Tons of coverage all right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, available on YouTube as well. Finally, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts.
All right. Thank you all for listening and go Zags.